freaking out of this, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Power through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. Oh, we're going to do you a minute. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Hello. All right, final hour of the Brock and Salk show today. Uh, thanks to Tom Verducci and Brady Henderson, who have already joined us. As I said, big baseball week for us. Tomorrow, we'll have Jeff Passan, of course, at 8.30. On Wednesday, Buster only at 7.30, and then Scott Service will join the show at 9.30 before the matinee. Mm. And then Thursday, of course, will be Jerry Depoto at 8.30. So we are uh, throwing everything we've got at the Mariners this week, and for good reason. They're in first place. They've played some really unbelievable baseball. I want to get back to this Julio conversation. Uh, probably at 9.30, as Julio mentioned that this is, uh, they're not hot. He said they're just being who they were always supposed to be. So we'll come back to that at about 930. But uh, I'm, I'm looking, Brock, more at uh, the email Morris sent us last night about these Mariners. Mm-hmm. First time in 20 years they've been in first place alone at this stage in the season. And as Mora usually does, she said, you know, guys, this is such a cool event. It's such a cool moment. You know what we should do to celebrate is maybe each come up with five or six songs that kind of fit. One or two. One or two. Well, I mean, you know, five or six songs. But I also predicted that you would turn it into another version of well, Ranked, was... so I was not surprised when you sent more. <laughs> Let's just say you knew what you were doing. You... I was surprised yeah. that Brock sent more. He jumped on. Yeah. Well, you knew that. what you were doing. You sent some songs that we all thought together might fit the Mariners' moment. So may, let me play a few of well, these for you. we had Believe a couple years ago, right? Yes. And, and you we haven't really, like, We still could. You we really, haven't come up with a... Really no, I hated that. that. No, you really like that. <laughs> we think. haven't really come up with a new song for that. Well, so let me play a few uh, that were contributed by various members of our team. Uh, here's one. I think we're the it doesn't seem to be anyone around. So that's, I think my that was more as I think we're alone uh-huh. now. Now, interesting, we're you went with the, first. you didn't go with the original. You went with the Tiffany version. That's the version I know. You didn't want to go with Tommy James and the Shondells, the original? All right, well, he's the guy who sang. Are, we, a, a, are we really a music show masquerading no, as a sports show? Is that right. what we're doing here? I think we're alone now, Maura. That Why? Because they're alone in first place? Yeah. All right. I like Finally. that one. How about, uh, let's see, I've got this one. I think this was a Brock suggestion. fingers go up. You gotta put your hands it. up when they say that. Hey, no one else did. When rules, DJ Callis says, put your hands up, you gotta go do that. Uh, so, Brock, mm-hmm. is that because all I do is win? That's or what they because do. then they stay there? That's what they do. That's oh. what they're doing. All right. Okay. <laughs> That's who they are right now. All right. I thought it's, it was it's, it's not because they're hot. There. Okay. They're not hot. I didn't have hot in any one of my songs. They're right. not hot. This is just what hot. they do. That's right. They win. That's right. They right. just win. More on the theme of them being alone in first place. This is. 
I've heard this song any number of times. I had no idea it was Eric Carmen who also sang Hungry Eyes. Mm-hmm. So I, I always think of the uh, yeah. Celine version of that. I never think of the original. No, well, I'm, I'm I'm sort of into the originals apparently yeah. here today. You're, you're an OG. Yeah, I'm an OG. We've got this one too. Is this you, Justin? Nope. Is this you, Brock? Heck yeah, this is me. This is Lauren Daigle. All right. Bringing a little worship music to this show first. <laughs> Woo! I was going to get the bell. I don't well, know who I, Lauren Daigle is. You don't know. Oh, you know who Lauren Daigle is. I went to high school with Greg Daigle, but I don't know. You guys Lauren don't Daigle. know who Lauren Daigle is. I the three not, of you. No. Are you serious? I just I looked her up. She's thirty-one oh, years she's old. Phenomenal. I know who Van Halen is. Yeah, that that homeboy that was changing the flag out, the Mariners flag, he was he was doing this yesterday. Yeah, he was on top of a T-Mobile out there putting that first place right. Mariners flag so up. Is that the leader in the clubhouse right now, Van Halen's top of the so world? So as I I've never seen this movie. As I was rolling in one of Brock's songs, I actually thought what? the words. To oh no, one I, of his I, I think Brock has the, the right one. Fitting. I'm I'm holding and on to it. Okay, but it's funny because <laughs> the two five three just texted, and I'm just realizing how corny Brock is. Oh, yeah. I still accept him as co-host of my favorite morning. Just wait. Show. I think Brock has the winner, but I, I think at top of the world. Okay, we'll oh. put that one. Uh, we'll put that oh. one number one Lyrics for now. For that will just work. Yes. Kind of simple, and right? And then you got uh, Elton John. They did take a lot of hits this year. Ooh, yeah, ooh, still that's, standing. that's pretty good. Yeah, a lot of hits. A lot of hits. That's also in the movie uh, Sing. We've got, well, Foreigner, of course. Is this you, Justin? Yeah. Yeah, obviously. I'm going to win forever. (laughs) (laughs) Are we a music show, honestly, masquerading as a sports show? Is that really what we are? Yes, that's what you've always wanted to do. Can you not figure out that that's what Ranked is all about for them? Brock, I'm going to give you a shout out for now, Brock. There's a guy, I met a guy yesterday in the suite, named Chris, who's from Spokane, big listener, and um, actually from Medical Lake, and uh, was at the stadium yesterday and sees me, and he's like, hey, by the way, big fan of Ranked. I was like, yes! So I was waiting for him to, like, sneak in the, so no one could hear it. I'm not, Ranked's not for me, and he's like, I love how upset Maura gets (laughs) every day. You guys act like I don't meet just as many people to tell me the opposite. Shout out to Chris. Never met any of those people. Shout out to Micah, who I talked to at the the couple weeks ago. What do we got? What do we got? brought up Micah like a hundred times. This is Brock for sure. Give it to him. I just did the karate kick move. Yeah. And you've not seen the original karate kid? He's going to do his horse stance. Yes, soon. I have, but that's not what it looked like. <laughs> well, I'm sitting down. I can't stay up. Why right not? Now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought so you were just getting into your horse stance. Yeah, you've seen the original. I kind of like this song just for a minute. What's up? It's called What's Up. It's got a little attitude. Mostly, I just wanted to make you listen to it so there'd be in your head for the rest of the yeah, day. This has nothing to do with that. I say, hey, All right. Matt in Beaverton says, on? oh, great, now Ranked has an opening act. Pretty freaking disgusting. <laughs> Don't worry, Matt. Yeah, we're, doing yeah, a Matt. Diff- we're doing a different rank today. I would not subject you to two of them. So we went through all of these, and, and I think so far we would probably agree that the, the leaders in the clubhouse are top of the world, and mm-hmm. I'm still standing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. But 
I think Brock may have actually ne- now those may work long term. This one though for today, I don't know how you could beat this. Then we laugh and talk all evening, which is totally bizarre. What? This is Brock's choice. There you go. Twenty years. There'll be magic. There'll be fun. That's right. Dang. For the first time in forever. Twenty years. And I know it is totally crazy to dream I'd find romance, but for the first time in forever. 20 years. Come on, Kristen. At least I've got a chance. At least I've got a chance. That's pretty perfect. That's all the times we played Let It Go on the show. Perhaps it was Anna who had it right all along, Brock. For the first time in forever, the Mariners are in first place. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. I don't know how many times you can say it, but it is not enough. The Mariners are in first place. They're alone in first place today, August 28th, and they're guaranteed to be in first place tomorrow as well. Uh, They completed a wonderful weekend sweep of the Royals in three different games. Royals were not quite as feisty outside of Kauffman Stadium. At least that's what I found. They were still a little feisty, but slightly less feisty. And Luis Castillo and Logan Gilbert certainly had a lot to do with taking some of the sting out of that team. Luis was awesome yesterday. Seven innings, only allowed one hit, didn't allow a run. He was absolutely dominant and got a little offensive support as well. And the one to Oscar. Swing and a drive, deep straightaway center field. Isbell going back to the track, looking up. Goodbye baseball off the batter's eye. Teoscar Hernandez with two home runs yesterday. Leads off the bottom of the second this afternoon with his 22nd home run of the year. And this was a rocket way out to straightaway center field. The Mariners hit seven home runs yesterday. They have one already this afternoon. And it's the Mariners one, Kansas City nothing, and Teoscar is on a tear. Yeah, he doesn't get cheated either. That was a big boy home run. 36 and 14 are these Mariners. 36 and 14. Best 50 game stretch in 20 years. About the same time they were in first place uh, alone in the American League West as they find themselves right now. Julio has got a ton to do with it. As Tom Berducci said, not going to catch Shohei Otani. Nobody is in the MVP chase in the American League, but he can make quite a run. And these last dozen games, how about he's hitting 491? <laughs> and as Julio goes, the rest go. Here comes Rojas. Here comes Teo. Here comes Cal. Yeah, this offense has been a blast how to watch. Rojas, by the way? I mean, when he first showed up, he looked lost. You were not pleased with what well, you saw 14. in game one. Oh, for 14, you decided do that in for you. one or two at bats that his easy. bat was slow and he was easy. toast. Gosh. And he's been uh, he's been phenomenal, really, at the bottom of the lineup, doing exactly what they needed. By the way, it's been really helpful to watch the other teams lose as well. Texas loses two out of three, including walking in the winning run yesterday. They walked three guys in a row with the base, like unbelievable. Three I'm guys watching Toronto the still. The Guardians day. beat them. Yep. Take two of three from them. Yeah, it's been a pretty good weekend for the yes, Mariners, who are, as we said, one game up on Texas and Houston. They'll see Oakland for three. The A's are not good, but Brian Wu will uh, start for the Mariners tonight. Here's the second thing you need to know. What did you make of that football game on Saturday? 
Could you could you watch every minute of that game? Did you watch till the end? Well, I was watching my son get uh, blasted in the car wrecks that uh, his team and our team. Did so people not actually do think so that's well. real. You just mean that he did not do well in this game. Well, I mean, he got he annihilated. didn't get into a car accident. He got hit as hard. Like he just got smoked a lot. And bless his heart, he kept getting up. And you know what? Some of these second and third string D linemen got blasted a little bit, but they kept going up. The Green Green Bay played their ones like into the second quarter. So bless their hearts, the guys scrapped and competed and. Yeah, it was nice to see Drew Locke continue to make some good throws. Bobo continued to do what he – you had to watch that game. To answer your question, did I watch the whole thing? I did. I did. Did I watch it on speed up? Uh, yes, I did. Good. Um, but you had to watch it with certain optics, and that is some personnel and some personnel matchups. We'll get to that in ranked. I think some critical decisions that have to be made over the final 24 hours. There are, here. but I'll tell you what. The one thing that does seem to stand out is that there's some pretty good vibes around this team right now. Jake Bobo has certainly noticed them. I don't think a whole lot of places are like this place, and it stems from, from Coach Carroll. Um, he's been awesome with me. He's been awesome with the rookies. Um, I, you know, hear from friends at a lot of places that it's, um, you know, the rookies are treated a little differently. Uh, but here, uh, under the leadership of, of Coach Carroll and the whole staff and, you know, front office guys and everything, it's, it's been awesome for sure. Well, I'm glad he's enjoying it. He's certainly playing well. Looks like he may be a number three wide receiver in week one. Yeah, let me hear uh, Kate and Schlereth as well. Bobo speaks to it, but this is, you know, Schlereth was out of training camp a couple days. Kate Scott has covered this team through all of training camp. Here was some of their commentary as well. Thanks to the whole uh, Seahawk organization for yeah. asking me to come out and do this. Had a blast. Treated first class all the way and um, just as it's been a really great experience. Mark took the words right out of my mouth and as Jake Bobo told us post game we've been around a lot of organizations college mm-hmm. and pro uh, and, and there's something special brewing yes. in Seattle and it's not coffee that's for sure. Yeah. Well, so, they've got good coffee too. They do they don't get... but, but something special right, right now at the VMAC because it's going to be uh, I think could be a special season for the Seahawks. Yeah Mark knows about the coffee he drank like 12 cups of it <laughs> while he was here in the morning that dude's out of control. Here's the third thing you need to know. You think I'm exaggerating? He did, he drank at least twelve cups of coffee in the morning. 12. He lived at that machine. What did he say about our machine? If they had that machine in Denver, what did he say? I think he said he'd be obese or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, because he was like in the lattes. We have a. They just have a normal coffee yeah. maker in Denver, and yeah. there's a there's a special machine here. Oh yeah. Have I told you about the guy in our office who just lets the coffee drip into the into the cup below it? Doesn't clean up, doesn't do anything, doesn't. There's no sink. It's just like a little container. I'm not telling you who it is. That's not fair. I do that. But it's disgusting. And uh, you know what? Uh, (laughs) Seahawks have to make cuts. That's everything you need to know. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. Brock's going to go a little more in depth with those cuts coming up here in about uh, 30 minutes or so, just under, uh, as he will uh, give us the. Five most difficult decisions facing the Seahawks over the next, what, 24, 48 hours. How about that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he just then, goes out there. He makes the coffee. <laughs> I, like, I watch him I in there. He's enough. making coffee, right? <laughs> and I don't drink coffee personally, so I don't, I'm not a coffee person. But the way this coffee machine works, you like. You, you just you, hit a button. He's not making anything. Right, You're you, hitting you a button. You make a button. You put, the, you put the mug down on the little shelf, yeah. and then it drips out all the coffee. And it takes, I don't know, a couple of minutes. I've seen this now multiple times, at least three times with this guy. He will walk back over while it is dispensing the coffee, take his cup and walk away. 
So it's still dispensing tons and tons of coffee, mm. which goes into like a little drip container that somebody else needs to then come in right, and clean, clean out. Yeah. By the way, there's a cancel button on it. So he doesn't need to walk away if he doesn't want the whole thing. <laughs> just hit the freaking cancel or button. Or just hit the eight ounce. You don't need to hit the 12 say, or 16 can, ounce. Hit, eight ounce how much you hit the want. cancel yes. button. Or I don't know, wait until the thing to finish so that somebody else doesn't have to clean up for your mess. Should we get him on the air and yell no, at him? I'm not doing that. I'm no. You know what? I've gone down that Tell road me. before yeah. with Matt Harden and John Curley and the right. stolen lasagna and all that. Yeah. I don't need to go down that. I don't want to have a whole. I know like what to I've leave seen. A passive aggressive note. I've seen that done. No, nope, I'm not going to do that. I'm just gonna. I'm just going to be disgusted by what I say. Going to let it eat at you forever. Yeah. yeah well, we have absolutely. a guess that it's Bob Stelton. No, nope, I'm not. I'm. You know, mm. I'm not going to say who it is. Nope. Don't guess. Not awake. I am not going to answer <laughs> anything. But you, this is a person that I see. So I haven't seen Bob in months. <laughs> like Bob, Bob Vampires don't get noon. up before noon. Right. That's right. Yeah. I, I haven't seen Bob in so long. I miss him. All right. Coming up next. I said this earlier. Julio Rodriguez with perhaps the most telling comment about this team you could imagine. I'll play it for you and we'll react to it next. I'm Brock and Salk. This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. This is why. I'm oh, this don't tell Julio. This is why. This is why. This is why. Don't tell Julio that they're hot. He's not buying it. He doesn't think they're hot. He thinks they're just good. 12 game hit streaks are not hot. Not hot. Not willing to buy any of that heat. No, here was Julio on Saturday when asked about being hot. Still, we're not hot. Like, I'm going to keep saying it. We're not hot. We're just playing the ball that I know we're capable of. I feel like every, every single. Every single guy on this team that they know that what, what, what they're capable of, we we all see each other preparing ourselves, and I feel like that we're just playing the ball that we know we can. I feel like at the beginning of the year, everybody was was seeing, oh, why this this, this team not playing like this? It just this is just who we are. You know what? That might be one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard from a ball player. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. Because I think we throw around that word hot all the time. And look, the Mariners are hot, obviously. They're playing at a pace, and some of the guys are hitting at a pace that is not sustainable over the course of a long, long period of time. But it's been two months of them playing the best baseball in in, in the game. That at some point ceases to just be hot mm-hmm. and becomes part of who they are. Part of who they are is also the team that underperformed for the first three months of the season and was not up to snuff. And and obviously they've made some changes since then, but I love his thought process behind it of, even if I'm sure there's a part of him that recognizes that a few of the guys are hot and that the team is playing near the peak of their ability, Mm -hmm. that he truly just thinks it's who they are. And I just, I love that messaging from Julio so much. Well, it will be fun in the in the years to come if it's his voice and Cal's voice. If those are if those are the two that continue to emerge. Now JP just quietly does it. I think he's learned a little bit like who he is and who he's not. You know, as DK Metcalf has learned about leadership and and he's not going to be one of the more vocal guys at least publicly. But I think Cal, right in the center of your team, right? You build teams through the center out in every single sport. And down the center there, you've got Cal and Julio. And if you remember in May and June, it was Cal saying, this isn't who we are. I mean, that's why, you know, he's so ticked. And, and at times, if there was any voice that held the clubhouse accountable after games, it was it was probably Cal that you pointed to. It was like, we're not playing good. This isn't who we are. This isn't what we were supposed to do. And now on the flip side of it, it is kind of the effervescent positivity of Julio saying, yeah, yeah, this is who we are. 
I mean, this is, and wouldn't it be neat over the next three, four, ten years if those two, <laughs> and, you know, you think about it, you know, one of the last great runs in the mid-90s through the early 2000s, you had Dan Wilson and Ken Griffey Jr., two pretty different personalities, mm-hmm. right, um, who, who went about it publicly facing in some different ways, and I think, I think that can be pretty cool for Clubhouse. Yeah, I, I think that's well said, and and I, I just I keep thinking about Julio and and his growth. The guy's twenty two years old. I mean, we're still talking about such a young guy, such a young man trying to 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 navigate being a leader. And you go through kind of what happened to them in the first half of this season, and there were I think a lot of things that were of their own making, and some things that were an extra challenge, a little extra um, challenge thrown on top of them. Look, this team has faced adversity this year, and that's one of the reasons I'm Still Standing was kind of a fun song to throw at us uh, here a couple of minutes ago. They dealt with losing one of their top pitchers for the season and then Marco Gonzalez for the season, and then the next guy they brought up for the season, Easton McGee, and then Hancock for the season. So they've lost four starting pitchers for the year. That's unique. Right. They've lost Penn Murphy. They've lost a few other guys for various points of time. They had the they had the the all star game here, which I know may not sound like adversity, but I think it was a challenge for Julio. And we've heard it brought up over and over again that he was basically hosting the all star game. Mm-hmm. And I know uh, Spielborgs and um, and Roland Smith were both talking about it on the Apple broadcast on Friday night that that was probably a bit of a, a challenge hanging over Julio and trying to live up to what was supposed to happen because they had so much marketing around him as an all star. And he wasn't delivering on that early this year. And I'm sure that gets in his head just as much as, you know, the team concept and everything else. And then throw in the fact that Teo's not hitting and Wong's not hitting and Paula not hitting and 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 Gino's not hitting and Francis and 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 I'm sure it became as we've mm-hmm. talked about kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy of one thing after another after another at some point that cleared the all-star game happened Julio was able to move forward maybe it wasn't even the all-star game be interesting to go back and see Julio and the difference in him but when he from the day he was named to the all-star team and and, and before that because I, I wonder if that had some sort of a freeing effect on Julio. And obviously, at some point, you get some adjustments made, and he just kind of turns himself into into the absolute star that we all know he is. But Gino turns it around, and JP, all of it. We, we know the story. We don't need to go back over it. It brings you to today and saying, all right, now what? 32 games to go, one game lead in the division. We talked to Tom Verducci and said, all right. Who, who wins? Yeah, uh, just on the strength of pitching, because I usually go pitching and defense to decide these close calls. I would say Seattle. I, you know, I think they have the best staff, one through 13. Um, now, it's funny. It seems like it's an American Legion tournament at the end of the year where you know Texas, Houston, Seattle all playing each other in those last 10 games. And uh, that ultimately will decide the division head-to-head. But, yeah, I mean, right now I would say I would take Seattle's pitching staff over the other two, and that's certainly no disrespect to Houston because, I mean, you have to respect their pedigree. They have a way of getting things done. And they're getting Michael Brantley back. As he said, I thought that was a telling little piece from Mm -hmm. Tom, too, that the Mariners are in their head. They got in their head last year. They got in their head in the playoffs, and they're in their head where Dusty Baker just unprovoked. You got that? 
where, where here's Tom Berducci sitting down with us earlier today and talking about a conversation he had just a weekend ago with Dusty Baker. Brantley just kind of is that guy that's steady 300 hitter, puts the ball in play, he's right-handed pitching honest. And Dusty specifically mentioned Seattle. I don't know whether he's looking forward to September or postseason possibly matchup, but he said Brantley is a guy we need against the Mariners because, I mean, he saw it in that weekend there where it's, you see the right-handed power pitching in Seattle, you better have some left-handed bats in the lineup that can turn around velocity. And Brantley turns out to be a key guy, at least in Dusty's mind, matching up against the Mariners. So, yeah, there was a lot of interesting stuff from Verducci, and you're right, Brock, I think kind of being in their head a little bit and, and them having to plan for you as opposed to just you always having to plan for them, that's mm-hmm. a good sign and, and kind of mm-hmm. shows some of the growth. The other thing I, I thought was interesting, and, and maybe you guys saw the the piece that Verducci did last week on the Mariners and their rotation and all the different arm angles that they come at you from, that almost everyone in the rotation is either below normal arm slot or above the normal arm slot. And so it's creating a lot of different looks. He talked about the uh, vertical, what is it, the vertical attack Plane. angle? Vertical attack yeah, angle or something like that. Vertical attack angle, my God. The VAA. <laughs> exactly. The yeah, vertical the attack angle. It makes a very big you know, difference on the WRC plus. Yes. Yeah, when you when you attack in that way, it's almost like an optical illusion. But I, is what he's referencing. Yeah, and why you're able to to get more swings and misses, and specifically with the fastball. I thought that was one of the most telling things he said. That a this is a league that has gone away from the fastball in yep. general. They are throwing fewer fastballs across Major League Baseball than ever before, and yet the Mariners have a staff almost entirely built on fastball pitchers, right? I mean, that's what these guys do. Every one of the guys in this rotation comes at you with 95-plus on almost every pitch, and most of them are throwing multiple types of fastballs. It, It speaks to one of the things this organization has done really well, which is that they are not just looking for one type. They're willing to deal with a lot of different types of players and figure out the best way to bring the best out of them, which is how, yeah, they like velocity. Obviously I think all teams do, but they're, you know, Brian Wu is a very different pitcher from Logan Gilbert. Who's a very different pitcher from Paul Seawald. Who's a very different pitcher from Andres Munoz or Spire or any of the number of guys that they have found a way to help improve. And I think that's a credit to a group that probably hasn't gotten enough of it. And that's their player development and scouting group, Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. at the low levels. They've had some issues at the major league scouting level, but at the low levels, what those guys have done, especially pitching wise to to go after guys that they think can help has really been incredible. Hey, I flipped this back to Julio, if you wouldn't mind, in the conversation that we had earlier in the show as well. And you have said this repeatedly over the last year and a half, that I don't know if you've ever seen a player connect with the fans. Just genuinely and authentically the way that he does. And and I ho- and, and some of that is being 22. <laughs> it just is. I mean, some of that is... You know, you don't feel burned by them. You don't feel like, you know, that. and even in some of his struggles earlier this year, I don't think anybody ever turned. They didn't take the, the no-fly zone down. No. You know? Um, we, we got a few texts from people saying sure. that uh, the, maybe the Mariners had gone, a little, gone in a little early on paying Julio and that it was a yep. mistake and that he's not a big star and some things like that. We got a lot of very frustrated texts at various points this year. Can that connection sustain? Do you think in three, four, five, seven years, is that a, 
and I don't mean this in any negative way whatsoever. I think when you're young and you're vibrant and you feed off the energy, and this team, frankly, feeds off the energy. You play that cut of Scott we played earlier, of him talking about the mm-hmm. fans, and the fans were just different yesterday. And it sure seems like last August and September, this August, hopefully pushing into September, you, the 40,000 that fill that stadium, this team and the way they're built from skipper on down certainly – Man, it, it connects and plays its best you, when the vibes are right. I'm going to give you what I think is the right answer to your question. Is that sustainable for Julio? I think the answer is yes. And I'm going to give you two reasons why. And, and, and I think they're things that you've t- kind of taught me. The first is just straight up because it's authentic. If there was anything about it that was forced, mm-hmm. that he was, you know, trying to prove to everyone that he's like a fan guy then I would tell you that's always obviously really hard to sustain. It's From not. day one, it's been this way. It's From day one, when he was he 17, he sat in the stands. Remember that at spring training games? He can't help it, Brock. With it's fans just who he cheering is. on his teammates. We've got to keep on going. It's not over here. It's not over yet. We're going to need your energy. Keep bringing the energy to this ballpark. And let's keep on riding this. That is not an opportunity for him to talk to the fans. That's just an interview with Jen Mueller after the game. Julio's like, yeah, I'm talking to the fans because that's what he does. Right. And so because of that, Brock, I think that's sustainable. The other thing I would think about is I go back to Chad Ochocinco. And do you remember a conversation we had? It's got to be close to 13, 14 years ago about a guy like that and how hard it is to always have to top what you've done in the past. Do you remember saying that? It's something oh, yeah. you, you taught me a oh, long yeah. time ago that has stuck with me since then of like, hey, if you're going to be the wild and crazy guy, you constantly need to do things that are wilder and crazier in order to keep up your reputation. And yeah. I don't see any of that with Julio. Like for, for those reasons, I think it's absolutely sustainable. Yeah, I do, too. I, there is certainly an energy and just a youthful joy to the game it's what scott said to him hey listen you just be you right from day one when he told him he made this ball club Mm -hmm. just be who you are and and he's fine with that and even through some of the peaks and valleys this year and you know you mentioned the all-star game if i was in that booth uh, in that apple booth with with ryan roland smith and the crew i would have said i think the expectations i don't know if it was even just the all-star game but now you're you know the, the face of a lot of baseball now you're doing all these cover shots for all these magazines now you're you know the baseball bat you're you're the rep and, and your face is everywhere and and it's not only just the all-star game that's in your home, just the weight of baseball on you as a, one of its young stars and just the weight of that expectation. And frankly, it weighed him first. And then I think a whole bunch of the rest of the guys mm-hmm. on the team, you take that expectation off, you play from behind, you become the chaser as they have been over the last yeah. two months. Now, you know, expectations will mount again for these can't lose that edge that got you to this point. This next that few, freedom of playing. These next five weeks are going to be fun, man. Oh. <laughs> this is this is really what you play for, right? And it was fun last year, obviously, but you knew the division was not within reach. I mean, Houston had kind of run away and hid, and so it was just a matter of getting over that first hump. This is different. This mm. has everything associated with a three-way race in your division with two other teams, and all three of them are going to play each other. Uh, you know, Toronto sort of lurking on the outside, and you're hoping that they lose just sort of kind of have a little safety net right below the division chase that's going on. But even with that, the, yeah. the, the, the reward for winning the division rather than the, rather than the wild card is enormous. You get a first round buy. 
I mean, like, I don't think we've talked about that enough. We've mentioned it, and I know some people understand it, but baseball's changed their postseason format so many times in the last 15 years that it's kind of difficult to remember what's what. Top two teams Mm -hmm. get a bye. One of those teams is going to be the Orioles. The other team is going to be the AL West winner because Minnesota is far enough behind that it is unlikely they're going to catch anyone from the AL West. So whoever wins the AL West in all likelihood is the number two seed in the playoffs, which means they get a first round buy and get to sit around and wait while four other teams beat up on each other in three game series. That is a huge, huge advantage, right? And we saw it last year as Houston used it to advance all the way to the World Series. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty yep. good. I would just say, don't sleep on Tampa, by the way. Them and Baltimore are still. All right, fine. Right but you know what in. I mean? I know one of been... those two teams. The AL yes. East winner. The American League East yes. is going to be the one seed. The AL East winner likely. is yep. going to be the number one seed. The AL West yep. winner is going to be the number two seed. And that's a really Correct. good place to be. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is Ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. We have no music in rank today. I hope everyone will be able to handle the next eight minutes or so without any music in rank today. But with cuts coming tomorrow. You got your music in. Yeah, we had a good time there at nine. What music? <laughs> we played some music? The today? Frozen song has been stuck in my head since we did it. I don't, I don't, we played some music today? <laughs> For the first time in a long 20 years. Time. Then we laugh and talk <laughs> all evening. This music? Just totally bizarre. The song that Brock chose to perfectly sum up this Mariner season? Kind of what I do with music. I don't know if I'm a little gassy, but I'm somewhere in that zone. Brock, today with the Seahawks making cuts tomorrow, top five most difficult decisions they're going to have to make. Okay, number five, play cut eight for me. This is Pete Carroll from the podium in Green Bay asked about the decisions for this roster that are, well, they're upon them right now. Yeah, I would love this group to be together. If we can, we're going to try to do that, and if we can, we'll see how it goes. You know, we'll have some challenges about that, but um, right now there's a bunch of guys that know how they fit on, on this team, and what, you know, their role and all that kind of stuff. I like to keep it as solid as we can. It's probably not possible to get it all, but I want those guys to know that we want them on in our locker room. So the first uh, five here as we rank five, four, three, two, one. The first most difficult decision is making sure that you look at your own roster first and you're pretty stout on where we can keep guys, where we can release them and still get them back to our ball club. Okay. Where we, you know, do we feel good about Aesop? Do we feel good about Kay Johnson? Do we feel good about Levi Brown if we cut it? Do we feel good about this group that we really love? You know, that little running back from Texas Tech, Sir Roderick, has done a nice job as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, making sure we get our guys back to the practice squad. So we know who the first 45 are largely going to be. The next 20 or so, how do we configure this thing? You know, do we, which ones do we keep now and put on the practice squad Wednesday, or excuse me, on the injured reserve Wednesday that are going to be out four weeks? Is that Dariq Young? You know, is that Devin Bush with a concussion? What, What does all of that look like? So, Taking care of your house, putting it in order first, 
Uh, that's number five. Okay. Me. Number four. Number four is now you go outside your house. Now you look at the 1,100 guys released today. Think of all of those phone calls, man. I was never on the other end in my six years in the league of that phone call. I was in my last year. I was in a meeting to be put on IR on this day and missed the entirety of the year. No one signed me after that, but I had, I never got that call. But man, did I have a lot of friends that sure did and went through that excruciating day. You think you were refreshing your phone at the Major League Baseball trade deadline? <laughs> Imagining having your phone, making sure it's charged. Okay, I'm going to go out for a walk. All right, I'm going to go get a workout. All right, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. I'm going to turn my phone off for a little bit. And I can't turn my phone off. Like, is a phone number going to pop up? Is a 206 or a 425 going to pop up on my phone? Mm. Right? And 1,100 guys around the league have that experience today. And when you do, hey, man, we need you to come in. Tomorrow. And then today and tomorrow. Yeah, right? Today. Guys get that call today. Some got them yesterday and last night. So you get those calls over the course of these rosters being set. Imperative. The Trent Kirshner and the Pro Personnel Department know those 1,100 and know them as best they can like their own. Okay, where is that fifth receiver? Okay, where is that surprise cut? Where is their Levi Bell? Where is their Jake Bobo? Where is their fringe player? And does it fit a position of significant need for us? And as Brady said, when you sit at 20th on the waiver wire, you don't get first dibs, second dibs, all the way through 19. And more than likely, other teams are also going to like those guys. So now... How do I make a call? Do I put a deal together? Do I have one of mine that they may want that we can make a trade happen? Do I send a conditional seventh round pick? How does all that self sorted out? And knowing the entirety of that landscape of 1,100 free agents is a big, big job and a mighty job, but a pretty darn important one. So that's number four. All right. Number three, and we never would have thought this 30 days ago at the start of training camp, that wide receiver room. And that wide receiver and those wide receiver decisions that you've got to make for the first couple weeks of the season. I don't expect Jackson to play in 13 days. I, I don't think you rush him, frankly. He may not play 13 days. He play 20 days. You better make sure. It's one thing with Tyler Lockett at the end of the season with a broken bone in his hand and a nine-year vet in this league. It's quite another with your 20th pick and your first-round pick. You are going to safeguard that and make sure – he is feeling great. He's got to block. He's got to catch. He's got to do all those things. And, oh, by the way, at a speed that he's never played at, and the last thing you want him doing is thinking about his wrist. So I'm not counting on him versus the Rams. I don't even know if I'm counting on him week two. You give that thing more than ample time and him practice time. <laughs> so now what does that do for the third spot, for the fourth spot, for the fifth spot? There are some mighty, mighty big decisions to be made. And who do you the, like again? Who do you like out of that group? I mean, I I got to be honest. The Cade Johnson, who's the other guy? Like Aesop Landers, Jody. He doesn't. He's not right. No, there's another there's guy a, whose name sounds a lot like Cade Johnson, though. Uh, I don't know, man. Cody Thompson. Cody Thompson. Cody Thompson. Yep. Cade Johnson. Possibly. Do you have a? Maybe you know, which is up yeah. all the time. Too. Do you know which yeah, maybe is which? It's, Oh, I do. Cade's a little slot receiver, kind of Tyler Lockett, and and Cody's a bigger guy okay. and a bigger body guy. And yeah, I think you know honestly, if that's the problem, then you know what you're going to be in a lot. What you were last year, twelve personnel. Yeah, and you're going to come out against the Rams and you're going to hammer them. And so you can live with that a little bit week one. But yeah, that wide receiver room going to be a big part of the decision making process right. in the next twenty four hours. Uh, number two, 
isn't obvious, and it's what if I talked about the DH in April or May, yeah, April, May, and June, you've talked about the interior D line for nine months as well. So, is there that guy of the eleven hundred that can help you right away in your defensive line? What kind of moves do you make as Tyreek and Levi, or you know, are they vying for a spot? You could probably keep Tyreek, or you want to keep Tyreek, and probably get Levi through waivers and put him back on your team more than likely. But massaging and navigating those defensive line questions, a big part. And also that market out there, a big part of today. And finally, number one, trade market. Brady Anderson said number one on his list, Mike Jack. Trey Brown, right? Your your greatest asset of value to the rest of the 31 teams in this league. Some of them like Baltimore that are just in dire, dire need of a starting corner. You've got a starting corner, if not two available. So we'll see, Devin Witherspoon, you play a big role in this too. The testing of your hamstring today, yesterday. How close are you to actually being on the field and contributing here against the Rams week one? Or are you on the same Jackson Smith and Jigba timetable? That you know what, it's not 13 days and 20 days may be a reach as well. So that trade market, and I'll tell you what, man. You find somebody out there that really looked at their preseason and went, gosh, you know, we're really not in this thing. And a DeForest Buckner and Indy. For a second-round pick, third-round pick, sign me up, man. Yeah. Sign me yeah, up for a, a big, one. big splash move. I will move. say, like, yeah, I, I, you know, as much as it's kind of like the DH thing, splash moves are nice, and they bring in, you know, names that you know. I'm not going to get caught up in the name. I just want to see them be able to stop the run. And if they can do it, I think this team's got some real opportunities here. But a guy year. with a track record of doing it consistently? That would certainly help. That elevates others around that him? That would certainly help. All right. Great list today, Brock. Great ranking uh, of the uh, moves the Seahawks will have to consider before the uh, cut-down date tomorrow afternoon. All right. So we had uh, Matt and Oregon thought we were going to be ranking P's. P's? Yeah, for your three P's. The Mariners. Mm. Plan, well, you can go, you can just my pride, my persistence, my power. Yeah, just power go read about that. Salesports.com. You can yeah, go read yeah. about all my all the peas that we plan, had to put out there. Just give peas a chance. Where are the wasabi peas on that? I love wasabi. I got good. some. I got some here if you want some. Do you have some? Yeah. I like a good wasabi pea. The problem is you eat a bunch of wasabi peas, nothing will taste good the rest of the day. It's okay. You had wasabi peas. I know, but everything else kind of tastes well, nasty for the rest of the <laughs> How day. How long has Dave Ross been letting the coffee drip like that? How long? <laughs> Dave Ross. I'm sure Dave Ross would never Won't do such a go. thing. No chance. All right, we got to get out of here. Mariner baseball tonight. We'll catch you guys tomorrow morning with Jeff Passan on the show tomorrow, then Scott and Buster only on Wednesday, mm. Jerry DePoto on Thursday. Pretty mm. good week to be a Mariner fan in first place. And you know what? When we show up tomorrow at 6, they're still going to be in first place. I guarantee it. It's Brock and Salt, Sales Sports on 710. Barn. Get to the Barn. <laughs>